Hi guys, welcome back to Aesthetically Displeasing, where we talk about all things spooky, stupid, and displeasing. I'm Melanie. And I'm Nicole. And today, we are recording on April 2nd. On April 4th, is Nicole's birthday. Yay! All right. So, we're not at Nicole's house. We're at her mom's house. So, do you want to see what is coming in the mail this week for your birthday? Yes. Okay, I'll give you... Okay, don't scroll. I'll show you... There's two things. I'll show you the, like, fun one first. Okay. This one is for our little podcast studio. (gasps) Oh, my God. I love it. It's a blanket that has, like, a ton of true crime, and the husband did it. That's so awesome. So, that's for... Our little couch when we're recording. Okay, there's something. Can we play footsie underneath the blanket? Yes. Okay, there's something else that I got you. Oh, God. So this one, you're going to look at what it is, and then you're going to scroll through the pictures of, like, examples. Oh, you God. ready? <laughs> sure. <gasps> oh, my God. So what Nicole is looking at on Etsy, oh it's, a, it's a mystery haunted object. I don't want it. <laughs> it's coming. But there were two options if I wanted a positive energy or a negative energy. So I did send you one that has positive energy since you have a baby in the house. Oh, thank you. But some of the examples are creepy, creepy dolls. And the very first one, it's like, snowman. Like, it's like a snowman with like a painted on face. <laughs> in like, all, like a doll's cleaner. body. <clears throat> it's so creepy. I really like the dolls. So that will also be for our little podcast room. Oh, my God. Whatever you get. There's also just like five out of five stars on Etsy. (laughs) I love (laughs) I will. Give me two seconds. So fun fact is Melanie and I have been together for my birthday for the last. This this is supposed to be the sixth year. But someone decided to not have spring break this week. Yeah, I had spring break in March. Yeah, I've so. been in person with Nicole for the last, for five years straight. Except last year you puked. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> she puked in the car and we had like a really tiny trash can that was not meant for puke. And <laughs> I threw up in it. <laughs> All right. This seller is fantastic. So, so kind. I absolutely trust her. She's gone above and beyond to answer my comments and questions. She offered insight into various questions I had, such as haunted mirrors, and gave me a nice bit of backstory for the Faye dolls that I received, as well as general advice for the Faye. She Do also accommodated for my You might. I don't know. Let's see what you get. See how terrifying it is. Jesus Christ. I am so ooh, here's a picture of four <gasps> dolls that someone got. I'm so happy with my new friends. I hope you know you might be getting this doll in the mail. No, you can't send it back to Ooh, here's a nice little one. I like that one. It's a bunny wearing a dress. With an in with a Indian girl on it? No. Native, Native American, American, sorry. My God, it's 2023. Guess what? Speaking of that, guess when my social studies textbooks I'm supposed to teach with were made? I don't know. 2003. We were seven. I wasn't even in third grade when these third grade textbooks began <laughs> to be used. So I, which this is my fault, I like whipped open the book with my students without looking at it. And it was like the Indians. And I was like, no. So then we had to have a discussion. <laughs> Showed them a map of where India was, where the United States was. And they were like, why would they call it? Like, they're so dumb. And I was like, yeah, he was dumb. <laughs> 
<laughs> he was dumb for thinking that he was an Indian who's actually in America. Um, so that's coming for you. Now we can have a little doll. She can be like our mascot. I really hope it's a snowman with a stick and then its head in a... And like a pipe cleaner around the stick. <laughs> yeah. This can be beautiful. Does she like summon whatever spirits and put it into the dolls? I don't know. Or she just like has accumulated these dolls. I don't know. There's no like... What's the item description? My collection of items is very vast and always growing as I conduct investigations and acquire more haunted things I then have to communicate with and get a feel for. If you have a specific request for a haunted item that would be in your box, please let me know. Prices have increased due to some boxes weighing 10 plus pounds. I don't want a 11-pound You want do- 10 doll. pounds for, oh my gosh. I must warn you that purchasing one of these mystery boxes does have the potential to wreak havoc in your life or home. What might be in these mystery boxes, you may ask? Haunted spirit dolls, which may include stories about them, spirit music boxes, spirited mirrors, communication tools like spirit boxes or pendulums. If I get a mirror, I'm sorry. I don't want it. <laughs> Logan hates mirrors too. I hate mirrors. They haunted me children's toys, haunted trinkets, and many, many, many more items. You said positive I though, do right? not accept refunds or exchanges. Melanie. Disclaimer, Etsy requires that I say this for entertainment purposes only. Everyone has different experiences pertaining to the paranormal, so not immediately experiencing supernatural occurrences does not mean things will remain that way. It can sometimes sometimes take time for the spirits to adjust before they begin being active. Melanie. I did a positive one. We already have a haunted dog. Did you tell Cody about this? No. (laughs) Oh, my God. When he gets back, we should have him come down here. Yes, we should. Well, you guys don't keep your presence a surprise from each other, so I did not tell him. No, we we don't. I didn't want there to be any spoilers. I didn't read the, like, her description of the item. Like, I just, I found that blanket, and then that was underneath related items, and I was like, hell yes. I'm just saying... That if I get haunted more than what we already are. But you have just a dog and then you're going to get like a little doll that's going to go play with the dog. It's fine. How does she know that it's positive? Because she said that she like interacts with them. I want an interview with mine first. It sends like a little description. Keep it out. You know what? When the box comes, keep it like in the backyard until you read its description. Just go put it I'm on. Put it in the garage. I was gonna say put it on Zach's doorstep. Oh my god, they would take it. They love hauntings. Yeah, there you go. If it starts being too creepy, I mean, yeah, no, you can regift it. Oh god, no, but it's gonna attach to like Cody because he like absolutely it. will. But it will attach to Cody in a positive way, or like it'll like play music for Xander or something when he gets upset. No, I'm good. Okay, so I have a completely not paranormal story for you. Um, so March 31st is the trans day of visibility. So I want to do a story on, um, the life and death of Marsha P. Johnson. I know. I think I know which one this is. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I'm glad you're doing it. Me too. So, uh, Marsha P. Johnson was one of the most important figures in the gay rights movement of the 1960s and 1970s. Uh, most people know her from the, 
um, Stonewall in riots. Um, but she also was a really important advocate for the homeless LBG, LG, oh my God, LGBTQIA plus youth, um, as well as those affected by HIV and AIDS. And then, of course, she was a big advocate for um, transgender rights. So, Marsha P. Johnson was born on August 24th, 1945 in Elizabeth, New Jersey. She does not seem like someone from New Jersey. New Jersey? No. Um, she was assigned male at birth, um, and she grew up in a an African-American middle-class working family. She was the fifth of seven children. A lot of kids. Um, her, that is a lot. Yeah, her father, Malcolm, worked on the General Motors assembly line in Linden, New Jersey, and her mom was a housekeeper. She grew up in a very religious family and began attending the Mount Temen African Methodist Episcopal Church. Her wow. entire church. Can you remind name. me of when this is? When when she was born? She was born in 1945. Okay. She's like our grandparents' age. Um <clears throat> and she remained a practicing Christian for her entire life. Um, she enjoyed wearing clothes made for women, and she wore dresses starting at the age of five. Rough. This would be really weird if, if the microphone did not pick up that bark. I bet it didn't. <laughs> and I just say rough in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, she really felt like these clothes reflected how she felt on the inside, but then um, by the time she was 13, she was getting bullied really badly and was also sexually assaulted. Um, oh or sorry, um, it wasn't when she was 13. When she was younger than 13, she was sexually assaulted by a 13-year-old boy. Um, so she, after that happened, then she stopped um, wearing, quote-unquote, girls' clothes. Um, right after she graduated from Thomas A. Edison High School when she was 17, she moved to New York City with one bag of clothes and $15. Wow. But when she got to New York when she was 17 and then later turned 18, um, she returned to dressing and clothing, quote-unquote, made for women, and she adopted the full name Marsha P. Johnson. Do you know what the P stands for or kind of what she like? She said that the P stands for pay it no mind. <laughs> and that was her <laughs> motto. Yep, that was her motto. Um, so Marsha did describe herself as a gay person. And this was back in the um, 60s. <clears throat> so she described herself as a transvestite because mm-hmm. the word transgender um, wasn't used back then. Well, transvestite means something different anyways. Does it? Yeah, I didn't know this because there, um, there's a transgender man who works for Dakota, not works for Dakota, works with Dakota. Mm-hmm. And he said transvestite. And I was like, I think that that's like a slang, like derogatory yeah. term. And he was like, oh, is it? Because I, I hope I didn't use it. Mm-hmm. And so then I Googled it. A transvestite is when you dress like Oh, just when you dress like the opposite gender. Mm -hmm. Okay, but so if she were born today, she would describe herself as transgender because she did use um, she, her pronouns. Um, According to her uh, nephew, even though she was going by Marsha at the time, she still maintained a really close relationship with her family, but it was it was still tense. They were approving of it, even though they were religious. No. Okay. Like they weren't, it's very, I'm, 
I'm taking it to assume that it was very much like love the sinner, hate the sin kind of mm. lifestyle. <clears throat> That's pretty big for back then, though. Yes. Um. So in the 60s and 70s, New York State still persecuted gay people and criminalized their activities and just like their presence. Um, and so she, it was really difficult for her to find employment. So she turned to sex work, but she was often abused by clients and she was arrested by the time of her death. She was arrested a hundred times. <gasps> oh my goodness. Many different things. I have a question. Yeah. It's an ignorant question. So you oh, can that's tell fine. me if I need to like cut it out. But when you're transgender and gay, mm-hmm. does that mean you like the same sex as your transgender yeah yes so like because she was liked women yes okay because she i she identified as a woman so she liked other women um oh okay that yeah that makes sense i just yeah that's what i yeah sorry that's what i would assume but it was all that is what like i'm assuming but then it was also the 60s so then she could have described herself as gay but then liked men i am not sure yeah well i don't I like say that i've never read like anything about like her like relationship or anything nowadays gender at birth yeah like nowadays if someone was a transgender woman and they describe themselves as gay then i would assume that they're a lesbian okay but i just don't it. know for her because labels and stuff were different back then yeah um she also didn't have a permanent home a lot of the time so she bounced around from sleeping at friends homes hotels and in restaurants and movie theaters oh my goodness um she also found some extra work waiting tables and uh performing in drag shows in a 1992 interview marcia said i was no one nobody from nowheresville until i became a drag queen um, not long after moving to New York, then um, 17-year-old Marsha met 11-year-old Sylvia Rivera. Rivera was a Puerto Rican transgender girl, and the two became um, best friends. Sylvia later said of Marsha, she was like a mother to me. And Sylvia Rivera is another um, notorious name in the Stonewall riots. Um, so Marsha also encouraged sylvia to love herself and live her true identity um and at this time marcia liked wearing colorful fun outfits that she would make herself from random finds at thrift stores or like items that she found just on the street Mm -hmm. that like clothing items that people were throwing out and she was often seen wearing a crown of fresh flowers i didn't really because i know her i didn't know they were fresh yeah i didn't know they were real um marcia had a very profound way of putting others needs before her she was in constant communication with her family and she often returned home to elizabeth during the holidays and during her commute home she would often invite people to join her with her family for a hot meal that's so sweet i know um and it said that she never visited home empty-handed and she would always bring her nieces and nephews little presents and flowers for her mother so i am hoping that her relationship was still good with her family since she was visiting them very Mm -hmm. often okay so now i'm gonna do a little bit of background on the stonewall riots so in the 1960s and before um it was not a good time or anyone of the LGBT community, uh, for instance, solicitation of same-sex relations was illegal in New York City. So not 
worrying about the fact that like there is sex work and that's a problem like when you're being forced into it but just if it's same sex then it's not good how does that even become illegal you know what i, I mean know. i know. like i don't understand i know um someone had to actively make it illegal i know yeah they're like it's okay for me me mr senator to go get mm-hmm. a sex worker but you can't get one of your own sex um so for these reasons gay clubs and bars were places of refuge for members of the LGBT community where they could openly express themselves and be able to socialize without worry. However, then the New York State Liquor Authority penalized and shut down businesses that served alcohol to known or suspected gay individuals. Oh my goodness. They said that the mere gathering of homosexuals was disorderly. It's just gay people, gay people being in a room is disorderly. Um, thanks to activist efforts, these regulations were overturned in 1966. So at the time that Marsha was in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so gay patrons could be served alcohol, but engaging in um, like PDA of the opposite sex. So holding hands, kissing or dancing with someone of the same sex was illegal. What? I know. <laughs> can't even dance together so police would harass gay bars um and many bars just decided to open or stay open without a liquor license and you want to know how so many gay bars were able to stay open how they were run by the mafia (laughs) that's fantastic was the mafia like laundering money through them yeah Yeah. (laughs) So in 1966, three years before Stonewall. I don't know anything about about Stonewall. Stonewall, Oh, um, this is just going back to one of the reasons why it was able to be overturned. So in in 1966, three years before Stonewall, members of the Mattachine Society, an organization dedicated to gay rights, staged a SIP in SIPN, where they openly declared their sexuality at taverns, daring staff to turn them away, and then suing establishments who did. When the Commission on the Human Rights ruled that gay individuals had the right to be served in bars, then um, the ruling was overturned and police raids were temporarily reduced. So, <laughs> when bars are running without a liquor license and they were being run by the mafia, <laughs> they saw gay people as um, like a marginalized community. Mm-hmm. And so they knew that they could like that because these gay individuals were part of a marginalized community and they want to do things under the radar. And the mafia was like, hey, we also would like to do things under the radar. <laughs> Hey, that works. Yeah, a little symbiotic relationship. Um, So by the mid-1960s, the Genovese crime family controlled most of the Greenwich Village gay bars. And in 1966, they they purchased Stonewall Inn, which at that time was just like a regular straight bar and restaurant. Um, And then they cheaply renovated it and opened it the next year as a gay bar. It was registered as a private bottle bar, um, so it didn't require a liquor license because patrons were supposed to bring their own bottles of liquor. Mm. So they kind of yeah. backdoored the rule a little bit. Um, club attendants had to sign their name in a book upon entry in order to maintain the club's false exclusivity. So they're just trying to make it like <laughs> fancy. 
Um, and luckily, the Genovese family bribed New York's precinct uh, to ignore activities occurring in the clubs. That's awesome. Yeah. So they seriously were working together. Um, <clears throat> but the only thing is, there wasn't any police interference. And it was a gay bar, which was almost illegal. So the mafia uh, cut costs wherever they could. They did not. Yeah. <laughs> They were like, we're going to run this bar, but we're going to run it really cheaply. So Stonewall Inn lacked a fire exit. It also at times lacked running water behind the bar in order to wash glasses. Um, The toilets often didn't work and would overflow. And sometimes if they did serve drinks, they were so watered down that you couldn't tell what type of liquor it was. Oh my God. So if you did, if you didn't bring your own bottle and you had to buy theirs, you just were buying water. Gross. Um, Sometimes also the mafia would reportedly blackmail the club's wealthier patrons who wanted to keep their sexuality a secret. But like despite all of this, like members of the LGBT community just didn't have anywhere else Mm -hmm. safe to hang out. So they had to hang out here. Um one reason why this another reason why the Stonewall Inn was really important was because it welcomed drag queens who were not allowed to be at other gay clubs and bars. So gay people would say no to drag queens. What? Why? Because they because that's just like that's how I that is that's a big thing. We'll talk about that later. But okay. like the so you know how. Um, like, the women's suffrage movement was really racist? No. Oh, okay. The women's suffrage movement was really racist. <laughs> and okay. the white women who were in charge of the women's suffrage movement, one of their big platforms was, well, you gave the N-word men the right to vote, but mm-hmm. white women don't have the right to vote, so we need the right to vote. Like, that was one of their, like, platforms. Oh. So during the LGBT move, like <clears throat> movement, when it was still like actively being persecuted. The people on the front lines were white gay men and lesbians. Okay. So yeah. So transgender individuals and like at that time who like described themselves as drag queens were being discriminated, discriminated against from like their own group. Yeah. I don't understand because like you would think that gay bars would be full of people who don't like ostracizing people I know. because of how they truly feel. I know. You would think. <clears throat> um, anyways, but Stonewall Inn allowed them in. And it was also one of the few, if not the only, gay bars that allowed dancing. Because what that was what they do there. Sat around and talked. <laughs> and well at Stonewall at Stonewall they could dance. Um, I know, but I'm saying like <clears throat> at other gay bars. You just stood there? Yeah. Was there no Sat music? There? I don't know. It's just silent. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, so as I said before, the mafia would, um, buy off the cops and part of this was the cops would tip them off when they would be coming to do a raid so that the owners could stash alcohol and hide other illegal activities. Everyone could leave room for the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Um, in fact, the NYPD had, um, raided Stonewall Inn just a few days before the notorious riot. Um, so when the police raided the Stonewall Inn on the morning of June 28th, it came as a complete surprise because the bar was not tipped off that time. 
I'm not sure why. Um, they did have a warrant, so police officers entered the club, roughed up patrons, and they found the um, illegal alcohol, so they arrested 13 people, including employees and people violating the state's gender-appropriate clothing statute. Gross. And they did this by taking people who were wearing, quote-unquote, like, women's clothing Mm -hmm. that they thought were men, took them into the bathroom and made them (gasps) prove what sex they were. And this was common. This was how they arrested people for cross-dressing. What? Female police officers would take drag queens or just any person wearing women's clothing that looked masculine would take them into the bathroom and force them to show what what sex part they were. Probably just get beaten, dragged into the bathroom. They didn't give a shit. Oh my god, um, that's so violating. I know it's disgusting. Um, angry patrons and just neighborhood residents were fed up with the constant police harassment. So instead of dispersing when the raid occurred, they stood outside and um started screaming at the police officers Mm -hmm. um at one point it is said that an officer hit a lesbian over the head as he forced her into her police car and she shouted at the onlook onlookers to act inciting the crowd to begin throwing pennies bottles stones and other objects at the police within minutes a full-blown riot involving hundreds of people began the police grabbed a few prisoners, including a... What? <laughs> they grabbed, um, what's it called? Not prisoner, or they are prisoners, but um, uh, hostages. The police took hostages, including a village voice writer, and they barricaded themselves inside of the bar. So then the mob tried to set the bar on <gasps> fire because they kept trying to <laughs> breach entry and they couldn't. So they tried to set the bar on fire. Eventually, the fire department and a riot squad were able to extinguish the flames, rescue the rescue those inside of Stonewall. I feel bad for whoever the hostages were, but I don't feel bad for the police officers. Mm, yeah, no. Um, and they tried to disperse the crowd, but the protests, at times involving thousands of people, continued for five days. Oh my goodness! Mm. I thought you were going to say five hours. No, for five days there were protests, up to thousands of people, um, and that was when the Village Voice published its accounts of the riots, and then that was spread around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so Marsha P. Johnson, of course, was at Stonewall um, when this happened on June twenty eighth, nineteen sixty nine, mm-hmm. um, and it was around two a.m. that this happened. So. Later on, Marsha herself said in an interview, the place was already on fire and there was a raid already. The riots had already started. But like legend goes that Marsha P. Johnson was inside and she threw a shot glass at um, a mirror. Mm -hmm. And so that was the legend that like she was the one who threw the first thing in the uh, raid. But I mean, she herself says that Mm -hmm. it was already starting without her, but... Um, but she still was a part of the riot for part of the protest for five days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so though the Stonewall uprising didn't start the gay rights movement, it was a really big force for LGBT political activism. And it led to numerous gay rights organizations, including the Gay Liberation Front, the Human Rights Campaign. 
wow. was founded because of this. Glad was founded because of this. And one called uh, PFLAG. <laughs> P-F-L-A-G. <laughs> what, what's that for? Uh, parents, families, and friends of lesbians and gays. Oh, okay. So Glad and PFLAG. I don't know if people say PFLAG, but that's how it's written. <laughs> Glad and PFLAG are still around today, but they don't. They use GLAD and PFLAG not as an acronym, but as a name because the acronym only says gay and lesbian and they want to include all members yeah. of the LGBTQIA community. Um, On the one-year anniversary of the riots, so June 28, 1970, thousands of people marched in the streets of Manhattan from the Stonewall Inn to Central Park in what was then called the Christopher Street Liberation Day. And it is... um. It was America's first gay pride parade, and the parade's official chant was, Say it loud, gay is proud. I love that. I know. So, as I said before, Marsha was involved in the early days, but she grew really frustrated by the exclusion of transgender and Mm -hmm. LGBT people of color from the movement. Right. She actively spoke out against the transphobia in the early gay rights movement, And so in 1970, Marsha and Sylvia founded the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, or STAR, which was an organization dedicated to sheltering young transgender individuals who were shunned by their families. And Sylvia's the young girl. Yes. That she met. met. Yep. Okay. Um, So then they also began STAR House, which um, attempted to house transgender youth. Um, where they could stay and be safe after they were kicked out by their family members. Was she just a, was she just, was she still doing sex, sex work? For, yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so Sylvia and Marsha want to do this because they had spent much of their youth experiencing homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, the first star house was in the back of an abandoned truck in Greenwich Village. So they say in the back of an abandoned truck, but I picture like a U-Haul truck, like mm-hmm. something really big. Um, except one morning, uh, Marsha and Sylvia returned to the truck just as it was pulling away with their star resident sleeping inside. Oh my God. So the truck was not abandoned like they thought that it was. And so then they watched all of the like quote unquote kids jump out of the moving truck. And Sylvia and Marsha realized that they needed an actual home for them to sleep in. Right. So they all pulled their money together. And they rented a dilapidated building with no electricity or running water just so that they could have like a roof under their heads. Um, they fixed up the building and did pay rent for mm-hmm. eight months. And then after eight months, they were no longer able to pay um, and they were evicted. Um, so they just were trying to like keep the kid like they mm-hmm. kept they called them their kids and Aww. i'm not sure like, exactly how old they were but they um just kept like jumping around from place to place so that the kids had shelter because sylvia and marcia didn't have any shelter when they right. first moved to new york that's so sad um when star tried to go to the uh first pride parade in mm-hmm. 1970 other people in the parade tried to tell them that they couldn't be there but they marched in the parade anyways i don't get it i know Throughout the 1970s, Marsha became a more visible and prominent member of the gay rights movement. She began performing with the drag group The Hot Peaches, and she attracted the attention of many, including Andy Warhol, who included her in a series of prints in 1975 
entitled Ladies and Gentlemen. In an interview Marcia did for a book in 1972, she said that her ambition was to see gay people liberated and free and to have equal rights that other people have in America. She said that she wanted to see her gay brothers and sisters out of jail and on the streets again. In another interview, she said, as long as gay people don't have their rights all across America, there is no reason for celebration. And in 1980, she was invited to ride in the lead car of the Gay Pride Parade in New York City. That's really cool. I know. Um, so she always had a very, um, like, happy personality. Everyone said that she always had a smile on her face. Um, but she did experience a lot of setbacks. Um, she had a series of mental health breakdowns in the 1970s and spent time in and out of psychiatric psychiatric hospitals um and during this time she was continuing to engage in sex work because there was no other way for her to make money mm-hmm. um but also during this time even though she was going through all of this herself throughout greenwich village she was known as saint Marcia because oh she goodness. tried to take care of everyone she gave other people clothes and food even though she barely had any of her own that's so sad. I know. Um, in 1990, she was diagnosed with HIV, but she spoke publicly about it and about how people shouldn't be afraid of um, of people with that disease. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so days before she was found dead in 1992, um, Marsha, there's a, a video found of her, um, like a home video, where she was talking about like she was like pondering death so she said or like pondering like gay people being murdered Mm -hmm. she says i don't think they do a good investigation on a gay murder they think oh that is one more gone when you're gay it takes forever she says in her video i always say tomorrow is not promised to me so this was just a few days before she was found dead um friends say that she was acting normally when they last saw her in greenwich village on july 4th 1992 but two days later her body was found floating in the hudson river oh my goodness she was 46 um initially police just ruled it as a suicide but of course her question her friends questioned that and Mm -hmm. suspected foul play randy wicker johnson's roommate at the time of her death recalled seeing where the police placed her body after it was pulled from a river um her roommate said as she laid there her blood soaked into the pavement there was Marsha's blood and everything where her body had been laid on the asphalt and where her blood dried on the asphalt um Greenwich Village put up like a little makeshift memorial for her oh At the time, 1992 was the worst year on record for anti-LGBTQ violence, according to the New York Anti-Violence Project. So after a lot of pushback, um, police reclassified the case as a drowning and then as undetermined. Um, But, of course, the LGBT community in New York and all over were furious that they refused to even investigate Mm -hmm. it. Um, There weren't very many press outlets that covered her death. But at her funeral, hundreds of people showed up at the church, and it was so crowded that people had to stand on the street. Oh, my goodness. So many people wanted to go. For months after, activists pushed for more thorough investigation, 
And in December, five months after her body was found, the outpouring reached a fever pitch. Among the voices was Tom Duane, then a civil council member and member, member, <laughs> civil council member. And Duane was the first openly gay New York senator with HIV later. And he demanded justice for Johnson. And he met with investigator and investigators. <laughs> I'm done. He met with investigators um, to try to convince them to reopen the case. Wow. He said her death deserved the most exhaustive investigation and added that the case was also unusual because it was a very rapid determination because they just immediately ruled it as a suicide and then ruled it as undetermined. But Uh, there there was blood everywhere. So was she like she was in the river for two days so there is a documentary but why is there blood everywhere out so okay they they did investigate this there was a documentary on netflix called the death and life of marcia p johnson and she had some bruises on herself and she also had bruises on the back of her head um and they had another um medical examiner take a look at all the findings Mm -hmm. and she said that all of those injuries could have come from her being in the river for two days oh but she i mean it also could have come from something else mm-hmm. um duane also says we were strong in our position that there needed to be more investigative work because even if Marsha was not world famous she was important to the lgbt community and our downtown community usually when there is a death by suicide the person usually leaves a note she didn't leave a note yeah. That's really sad. Um, David France, the director of The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson, um, says Marsha's political tool was happiness. She used happiness as a way to organize people, a way to motivate people, a way to support people who were in terrible need of support and were not getting it anywhere else. That ability to use a strident cheeriness was remarkable and is what really set her apart from other historical figures that I can think of. So wow. no one believed that she would have killed herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so this documentary was released on the 25th anniversary of her death. Um, and it brought up some questions about um, who she could have been murdered by or what could have happened. Um, one theory is that she was killed by the mafia mm-hmm. because the Stonewall Inn was run by the mafia. Right. And because people viewed her as... The one, um, who started it. the one who started it and then they lost that bar they wonder if the mafia retaliated mm-hmm. um there are other reports that she was being chased that night that people saw her being chased and so she either was placed in the river or um fell into the river by accident or jumped and drowned by accident or she was murdered and put into the river mm-hmm. um, but most people believe that the police do not care to find out still yeah it's still just rolled as undetermined oh my god i hate Mm -hmm. that i know um so as i said that march 31st is trans day of visibility Mm -hmm. um so i found a report from 2022 there in just 2022 there were 32 transgender and gender non-conforming people that were killed in the united states Wow, 32 in just the united states 
Um, transgender people are people of color accounted for 81% of known victims this year and 59% were black. Um, trans women are disproportionately represented as they have been in years past and, um, were 81% of the deaths. So most people of the LGBT community that are murdered are, um, black trans women. The human rights campaign has documented at least 302 violent deaths of transgender and gender nonconforming people since the advocacy organization began tracking such fatalities in 2013. So since 2013, there have been 302 violent deaths of just transgender and gender nonconforming people. Oh my God. In just the United States. Um, and the victims have been overwhelmingly black under 35 and were most likely to be killed with a firearm. Well, maybe if we, I don't know, did something about the fucking guns. I know. <laughs> what could we do? Pray. Thoughts and prayers. Uh. Thoughts and prayers. Um, the Human Rights Campaign also notes that the number of fatalities is likely a gross undercount because the deaths of trans people often go unreported or the victims are misgendered in the news or in police reports. <gasps> So it is a transgender individual that has been killed, mm-hmm. but they are labeled as cisgender. So they're not logged as a transgender right. victim. Oh my God. That's yes. so horrible. Um, the report has also found that 15 trans people have been killed by police or while incarcerated in jails and prisons since 2013. Wh- what? Yeah. Why? They're the most hated group in America. I hate yeah. that a lot. It's, it will end like we just had a school shooting in mm-hmm. Nashville. But what does Tennessee care about? They care about banning drag shows. Mm-hmm. They I do know. not care about the six people who were gunned down at a school. Mm-hmm. They want it to be that children cannot go see a nice, fun drag show. Yeah. Priorities, you know? Yep. Um. So Marsha P. Johnson has... has a lasting legacy for the gay and transgender rights movements in the United States. In 2016, then-President Barack Obama designated the sites of the Stonewall Riot um, a national monument. In 2019, New York City announced that Marsha P. Johnson would be the subject of a monument commissioned by the Public Arts Campaign called She Built New York City. The monument will be the first New York City monument to honor transgender women. And in 2020, New York State named a waterfront park in Brooklyn for Marsha. Oh. Yep. So Marsha has influenced countless individuals to work towards the same goal as she did, liberation and equality for the LGBT community, particularly the black transgender individuals of that community. Her most direct legacy is the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, which is a program sponsored by the Social Good Fund, which works to serve black and trans people across the country. Many say that she um, has inspired a lot of other people to pay homage to her, such as, um, you know, Nikki Tutorials. Um, she does, she's a makeup artist on YouTube. And okay. when she attended the, so, and she is also transgender. Okay. And she only released that she was transgender because someone um, blackmailed her. So she went and made a video to 
beat them to it. Um, and in 2021, when Nikki was invited to the Met Gala, she was wearing Johnson's, um, Marsha P. Johnson's Head. floral headband. Yeah. And um, on her dress, it had her mantra, pay it no mind. Um, she also continues to be commemorated through countless books, art pieces, memorials, and films, such as the documentary on Netflix, The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. It is beautiful. That is Marsha P. Johnson. Have you watched Sex Education? No. Okay, hold on. So there's a person in there that dresses in, help me with this, politically correct quote-unquote women's clothing yes and and he's he's gay i don't i'm i don't think he's likes to wear more like feminine clothing yeah and like makeup and all of that and i'm curious if marsha p johnson is like an inspiration behind it yes because they look somewhat similar oh yeah and he's wearing like super bright colors yeah i don't know but that's an England show, like a British show. Yeah. So, I don't know. It definitely but, could be. But her her picture, when you Google Margaret, uh, Marsha P. Johnson, mm-hmm. is just like, she's so beautiful. I know. And she always had a smile on her face. I know. Mm. <clears throat> I know. I'm going to, in the show notes, I will um, post links to her uh, foundation as well as others that we can donate to also. So thank you guys so much for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at Aesthetically Displeasing, on Instagram at Aesthetically Displeasing Pod, and you can email us at um, Aesthetically Displeasing Pod at gmail.com. All right. Bye, guys.